0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Raw Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and we're here to discuss the October 3rd edition of Monday Night Raw 2022. Now, before we get to the breakdown of each segment, first, let me give a little bit of love to someone who hooked us up with a review. Roar, I'm a fish left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Great listen. For the WWE fan, I'm enjoying the Ron SmackDown recaps and the one interview a week rollout. My 11 year old and I were able to meet and chat with Ryan in Dallas between his interviews at Access, and he was just like he is on the show slash podcast. Anxious? Is that is that (laughs) anxious? Hyper loud? Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds how, how I am in person appreciate the kind review ll cool d and remember if you guys leave a review on apple podcast because i believe that's the only place you can leave a written review if you leave a review there i read them here so please hook up hook me up hook the show up hook 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 out of character up with a review on apple podcast i think on the other platforms you can kind of do a five star or whatever it is. I don't know the proper terminology on every single platform. Give me a break. I try my best. But if you can leave a review, it helps us out a lot. And I appreciate it very much. I really enjoy hearing nice comments about the show. I work hard on this show. And it's really cool when those of you who listen, let me know that it's appreciated.
1: Now, let's
0: get to Monday Night Raw. Let's get to the raw roundup. Raw this week started off with the Judgment Day coming out Finn Balor hyping up his upcoming match at Extreme Rules against Edge and says he's going to force Edge to say I quit at Extreme Rules this weekend. At one point in this segment the crowd chanted who's your daddy? at Dom and Dom says I'll tell you. It's not Rey Mysterio. I hate you. You lied to me my whole life and I have a new family now thanks to the Judgment Day. I got to say, you know, I think <laughs> I think it and it, it may have initially just been awkward for Dominic to speak negatively towards his father or to, to or to, to to kind of like drop the, the 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 way he normally, you know, the respect, I guess, is a better, the, drop that respect that he was so evidently showing towards the Mysterio lineage. And now, as he's kind of like embracing this heel week to week, you do see him getting more and more comfortable in the role. Um, I'm interested to see how his next match as a heel eventually looks. I have a feeling. It, I have. I, I hope it looks different than the one that we saw against Edge. I have faith for Dominic, uh, the performer. I think that he's slowly shedding away the Mysterio. You know. The Mysterio vibe that he's had to have since the beginning, he's had to be the son of Rey Mysterio, and now he's getting to be his own man. And it is evident that he is becoming his own man, own man on WWE programming. But like I said, it's really going to come down to the fact of how his next match is. I think the match against Edge was not as well received, and his next singles match is going to have to be a little bit better. Where are we right now? What month are we in? Extreme Rules. We got Survivor Series. Can they drag this out all the way to WrestleMania before Dom and Ray finally wrestle against each other? I don't know. I mean, I guess it at WrestleMania you could you could drag it out long enough, I guess, and do like a mask versus something match, but that's a long time to drag that out to But you'd think with the Mysterios breaking up that it would warrant a really long feud like that. And, you know, Ray and Seth were in that feud forever. So you could give that same time to to Ray and Dom. I just really think, like I said, it really comes down to if he backs it up in the ring the next time he's in a singles match. So Balor addresses AJ Styles at the end of this promo and once again extends an olive branch. But as he talks about it, He's interrupted by the Phenomenal One, and that leads to AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio versus Balor and Priest. The finish comes when Dom once again distracts Rey Mysterio ringside, allowing Rhea Ripley to clothesline him down. She then throws Rey back in the ring, and Balor hits the coup de grace. After the match, Rey tries to apologize to an angry AJ Styles, but AJ shoves him down to the ground. He's not accepting any apology from Rey Mysterio. He's unhappy about the loss. And as he stands alone in the ring afterwards, well, he is ripe for the picking as Judgment Day pounce him down to the ground. They start beating him down. They're raining punches. Balor says, listen to me. I'm your friend. As he continues to punch him. And then Priest hits, hits the south of heaven on Styles to close this out. Um... I, 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 I'm, I'm into the whole thing that WWE has been doing with Triple H at the helm of like, of like, uh, uh, of there being a, a feud at the forefront, but also building something up for right after or down the line in the near future. Um, Triple H has been doing a lot of that since he took over. And this was another example of it. Balor is clearly building up his I quit match this weekend at Extreme Rules against Edge. However, since Edge was not there tonight, he's also working towards this program feud with AJ Styles, which is being built up when Edge is not on the show. And I think that's a smart plan. I think that it's a good uh, it's a good way of going about things. you know you're maximizing every single minute of the show. I mean I, I I say this a lot, but I genuinely feel like I'm writing so much more than I used to, which is great. I love it. There's so much more story and character development and stuff that I can sink my teeth into. Um, and I, I really like when no, no part of the show feels meaningless. And so that was what I liked about this. felt like we were building up multiple things at once. You're building up the Mysterio Dom angle, you're building up Balor and Edge. you're building up Balor and AJ Styles, maybe even Styles and AJ excuse me Styles and <clears throat> Damien Priest. A um, lot happening here. A lot of directions that they're, they're setting up. A lot of ways you can go with it. I like it. Next, Bobby Lashley was interviewed backstage regarding his U.S. title reign. And Lashley is asked, what's next? He says he wants someone who has the same desire he did coming up. And he's approached by Mustafa Ali, who says he's that guy. But he's still in the back of the line for some reason. Lashley tells him to keep it up. And maybe he'll consider... Kind of give, kind of, kind of big time in Ali a little bit. So Ali turns him around, yelling, "No, he's done waiting. He's not asking. He's telling Bobby that he's next," and that sets up a match for later in the show. Sami Zayn then is shown joking around backstage with Jimmy Uso. The two of them are laughing, having the best time. They even get Solo Sokoa to crack a smile, but then Jay Uso walks up and instantly kills the mood. Says they're there for business. To let everyone know, Roman will be there for the season premiere of Raw next week. For those of you wondering, he'll also be on the season premiere of SmackDown this Friday. The Bloodline run into Street Profits after this, and Sammy tells them to make sure they're prepared to acknowledge the Tribal Chief next week. And this leads to a back and forth that ends with Solo Sokoa challenging Angelo Dawkins to a match later in the night. The biggest news coming out of this was uh was Montez Ford clearly dealing with an injury. He's in a boot, dealing with some sort of injury. Unclear of how long he's going to be out of action for, but that's a bummer. Um, terrible timing with with Triple H taking over as head of creative right now. I feel like you want to be there as one of his players, especially if you're someone who he had built up in NXT. However... Um, Dawkins is getting opportunities here to wrestle solo. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. I meant to say solo, like just as a singles person, but he's also wrestling solo. Sokoa here. Ah ha ha. Ryan, you are so slick.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: man, that reminds me. Sometimes I'm doing these things and I'm talking to myself. I have no one to. Double check if I say something stupid on here. And apparently, I, I when I was talking about L.A. Knight and Max, du, Max Dupree last week, I when I was talking about what name he could probably he could go to if they were gonna go back to his name. I think I called him Eli Drake instead of Eli instead of L.A. Knight. Pff, duh, that was a slip on my part. I'm sure if I said that, I didn't go back and listen, but I had a couple people tweet me about it. And uh, if you listen to the show and you heard me say that. You probably thought to yourself, what a big old idiot Ryan is. What's he talking about? This is a guy we come to for information? He's talking about Eli Drake? Come on, Ryan, what are you doing? Sorry. If I did that, and I'm guessing it's very possible because I had a very long week last week that I had a lot going on during. If I did that, I apologize. I meant LA Knight. I just didn't know if he was going to go back to being an LA Knight or if they were just going to roll with Max Dupree since that's what his name had been on the roster or something else. If I said Eli Drake, that was stupid of me, and I'm very dumb. If I said that, well, not like always, but that was a dumb thing for me to say. <laughs> All right, next segment. We'll get back to we'll get back to Dawkins. We'll get back to Solo Sokoa. We'll get back to that whole crew of people in a bit. But first, we had Lashley versus Mustafa Ali. Uh, Lashley brings the pain to Ali, but Mustafa keeps showing his heart by kicking out of multiple power moves to stay in the match. At one point, Bobby tosses Ali over the ringkeeper area with a gorilla press, but Mustafa Mustafa gets back in the ring before a countout. Ali then gets hit with a spear that he takes beautifully. I think he had like three rotations of flips afterwards by getting hit, and then he gets locked in the hurt lock. Lashley wins. Uh, And then after the match, Lashley appears like he's going to lift Ali up to give him props. But Seth blindsides him out of nowhere, hits the stomp. And then as Rollins walking away for a minute, he sees Ali getting up. So he hits a stomp on him too. All right, let's talk about this. Uh, First, Lashley versus Mustafa Ali. Uh, Actually, just smaller than that. Mustafa Ali, great choice. Great person to have going up against Lashley when he was you know, when Triple H first took over as head of creative, and you could tell he was trying to rebuild the importance of, of the United States title, I was asked, you know, people I would like to see wrestling for the United States title, or just wrestling Lashley, and Mustafa Ali was one of the people I named, I think I agree with what he was saying, what everyone was saying in this, that Mustafa Ali has heart, that he has, you know, that drive to get him to the top, and I think that it has been... Fr- not What's the right wording? I'm trying to think of the right wording here. Not frustrating, but it's been a, it's, it's it's I really want to see him succeed. That's the way I want to word this. I really want to see him succeed. And he's been getting little opportunities to showcase what he can do again in the ring. I don't think people... I, I, I think people already know what he can do in the ring. but But getting a chance to showcase it again on Raw since Triple H took over as head of creative... And he's shined in every opportunity that has been given him, that's been given to him. And so I, I think it made all the sense in the world for Mustafa Ali to get a get a match against Lashley here. And in this match, even though he didn't win, I think it was one of those situations where someone does get over in the way they lost. I think the fact that he was kicking out of big moves and, you know, showing that, that he's not someone that he put down easily, it does translate to the viewer watching at home. It does help the person in the match in the long run that so that people can believe in them when they see them in a match. I think that's super important. And I think that that was something that was shown here in regards to Mustafa Ali. Hopefully we continue to see more of him on the show. I wouldn't mind a full program here, but I'm wondering where this is going to go, you know, next week. So later in the show, we find out that Lashley versus Rollins is going to be a match next week on raw for the premiere. And it's going to be for the United States title. I do think, if I had to do my predictions here, my money goes towards... Well, first let me say this. Daniel Cormier is going to be the special guest ref for Rollins and Riddle in the Fight Pit. Haven't talked about that. I'm going to talk about that right here. And it all kind of encapsulates together. Because I think what's going to happen is this. I do think Rollins is finally going to lose to Riddle. The feud has to end here. It's got to be done here. I think the best way to end this feud where in a way that helps Riddle gain from, from it, since he's lost so much against Rollins, but doesn't necessarily put him ahead of... Like, doesn't necessarily make Rollins look bad in defeat. It's got to be an intense match. You know, something where maybe even give him an out where DC gets involved in a way that he shouldn't have um, or something, right? But, but Rollins wins. And then after the match, I think that one of two things may happen. Either... Brock Lesnar returns to confront DC in the fight pit, and we get a recreation of their big UFC moment in, in the match that didn't happen. Or two, DC does the opposite of that, and DC calls out Brock finally. <laughs> we, we, we saw, you know, we know the two of them, you know, have this, this built in rivalry. What if DC just calls out Brock and says, I want you at Crown Jewel? Then the next night on Raw, Seth Rollins defeats Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. People are not really thinking about his loss anymore at Extreme Rules. Instead, he can start this new reign as United States Champion. I think that if there's not going to be a world title on the show in the near future and they want the United States Championship to be the prize jewel on Monday Night Raw, I think with What we know in regards to Triple H and how much he believes in Seth Rollins, I could see it would make the most sense to me to have Lashley's reign end here and Seth Rollins becomes the United States champion and becomes the main focal point on Monday Night Raw as the main champion with the United States title around his waist. And I want to say I love the DC thing. I love DC coming in. I think that DC is such a huge WWE fan, There's that famous video of him excited for Seth Rollins cashing in. Uh, He's talked about wrestling for years. He said he wanted to do stuff with WWE for years. To capitalize on that finally by putting him as the guest referee in the fight pit is very, very smart in my opinion. Now next, we have this Rollins riddle face-to-face. There was a video package first, hyping the fight pit. Then Rollins called Matt Riddle out to meet him face-to-face. Rollins calls himself the Fight Pit King and reminds Riddle that they have a no-contact clause so he can't touch him. Riddle says he's not going to just hurt him or beat him in extreme rules. He's going to kill him. And then the people are going to be singing, Bro, Bro. (laughs) Which I did like. I like that. That was well done. Uh, Rollins then reminds Riddle that Cormier's actually a fan of his, referencing that video that I just talked about, and then he asks Matt if Matt's kids like his singing voice and says, oh, that's right, you don't get to see them anymore. Burn, man, burn, burn, burn. Oh, it's tough. I feel bad for the guy. I come from a family (laughs) of divorce. And, uh, yeah, this is definitely helping with the babyface heel dynamic. You definitely want to see the babyface... get his comeuppance when you hear the guy saying stuff like this. Riddle did have a good one, though. Riddle asked Seth when when the last time he won a title was in WWE, which is another reason why I think that he's beating Lashley on Raw next week. And then also Riddle asks when the last time Seth main-evented WrestleMania was. Oh, that's right. You haven't, but your wife has. Seems like you're always second to everyone. And this almost leads to a video... uh, Blows... But a video from Daniel Cormier stops them. DC says he's a fan of both guys, but just like the rest of the world, he's fed up with both. And since they're going to be in a fight pit, he wants to lay down the law there and make sure there's a definitive winner. This was, this was good. I mean, yes, would I have preferred DC come out? Yes. Uh, but I realize that, that there's only so much they can do. <laughs> you know? I'm not going to be picky. You know, I, I think that he's already coming out to Extreme Rules. So, I, but I, it was a little silly to me that two people would stop fighting because of a video interruption. However, they do have the no touch clause or whatever it was called, no contact clause. So, it wasn't that. It, it wasn't too silly. I laughed uh, at the whole thing. And uh, I think that DC will be a more imposing presence when he's actually there in person and you see how big he is compared to those two guys. All right, we're going to take. A quick commercial break here. And then we're going to get back, finish off the rest of the show, and go down the rabbit hole again with this white rabbit code that was on the show this week. But first, like I said,
1: quick commercial break. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services.
0: All right. We're here. We're at the white rabbit portion of the podcast. So, Bianca Belair and company are backstage talking to Candace LeRae, but during this, a QR code is shown once again. There's some static that plays before it. I saw a few people point to a possible fiend-looking mask that appeared over Alexa Bliss in that static. But in the static, there eventually comes a White Rabbit QR code. And this week, it leads to an image With uh, one side shown on mobile and another side shown on desktop. You had to go deep in it. And then also, when you get that full URL, it looks like the URL are coordinates to the Wells Fargo Arena, excuse me, Wells Fargo Center in Philly, where Extreme Rules is taking place. There's also uh, 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 art on the, the website, of Samson from the Bible, and there's a little code at the bottom, okay? There's also a magic eye on that initial page that has... uh, (laughs) The magic eye reads MTA4MJI, I I believe. Um, So when you take... When you take that magic I code and you put it into a, I guess a base sixty four decoder, which is like binary to text encoding, it translates to 10, 8 10, eight two thousand twenty two is the date of Extreme Rules this weekend. Uh, there's also um, there's also okay. So if you take the code. That's in the Samson painting. There's a thing that comes up is white rabbit milk. Whatever that means. (laughs) Some product that's sold in another country. Um, And then there's also like this random text. Like characters on the screen. Apparently it's the language from the Predator movies. I know. Deep. We're deep in the rabbit hole here ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We're deep down the rabbit hole. And when you decode it, it says, Before me, things created were none. Save things eternal, and eternal I endure. This full quote ends with, you know, when you're not translating it, but you look up the full quote, it ends with, All hope, abandon ye who enter here. And remember, inside the Firefly Funhouse, there was a sign up that said, Abandon all hope, ye who exit here. I've long thought that there that I've long thought that the most interesting thing they could do with the fiend was dig into what's on the other side of that door of what actually put them in this funhouse. There was a promo that they did once. It was I want to say when the fiend first got introduced. And, like, we saw that, like, it almost looked like the funhouse was, was a facade for something, like a mirage. And it wasn't actually what it seems, and that Bray was trapped in there until he came out to, became the, to become the Fiend. Almost like this Fiend used Bray as a vessel when he wanted to go attack, and then he kept Bray trapped in the funhouse. At all other times. Because there was this one segment where I think it was when The Fiend first got shown. He was like, I want to tell you a secret. Or I want to show you my secret. Or something along those lines. And it was doing like little cuts. And it looked like the funhouse wasn't actually a funhouse. It looked like it was like an industrial scary place. And then they kind of moved away from that. You know, we had the moment when Seth Rollins went into the Firefly Funhouse just very easily, and I really didn't like that. Um, I kind of liked the Funhouse feeling like Bray trapped in his own mind, which would fit all the Alice in Wonderland stuff. But The White Rabbit is able to get in and out. So maybe now Bray Wyatt has figured out how to get in and out of this world and be in control of all of his characters at one. Something like that. I don't know. We're going to forget Husky Harris, too. Don't tweet me about that. But there's got to be something there where the sign said, Abandon all hope, ye who exit here when you're inside the funhouse, which would mean on the other side, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Right? Am I tripping here? Does that make sense? Because they've gone back to this abandon all hope, ye who enter here now multiple times. Clearly, clearly... Clearly, I if this isn't Bray Wyatt, I'm gonna feel like the biggest freaking idiot. <laughs> I'm gonna be at my sister's wedding. My other—I have three sisters, so my two sisters, who are the two older sisters, happened to both get married on pay-per-view days. Very uncool of them. First, it was Clash of the Castle. Now it's Extreme Rules. I'm not excited. Not nah, I'm excited for my sister's wedding. I mean, I'm not excited by the fact that I'm missing whatever this is. But I'm just gonna say it. This is Bray Wyatt, guys. This has to be Bray Wyatt, or I'm right. This has to be Bray Wyatt at this point. All of this can't be leading up to just someone who isn't Bray Wyatt. It might be more than that. It might be Bray Wyatt with multiple people. I don't know. We still don't know if if if, if people are working with him. I don't know, but it's got to be something for Bray Wyatt. It's got to be. This is just too much at this point. This is too much. I feel like if it I feel like if it wasn't Bray Wyatt there would be some indication that it's not Bray Wyatt. And I have seen no indication that leads me to believe it's not Bray Wyatt. I'm excited. I think I my gut leads me to think that we're seeing a reveal at Extreme Rules. That's where my gut goes. It's all starting to just point there. It's all starting to point there and I think that that's that's what I think is happening. That's what I think is going on. I think we're going to see Bray Wyatt at Extreme Rules on Saturday, but I don't want to get everyone's hopes up too much. This isn't a spoiler. This is just me wishful thinking. This is just me wishful thinking. When Dakota Kai got brought back and people were starting to... When Karen Cross got brought back, I kept saying, Triple H, now do Bray Wyatt. And I think we're there. Next segment was Miz on the phone saying that uh, his situation with Dexter Loomis is finally going to come to an end tonight. Also points out that he hasn't seen Chompa for weeks as this unfolds, Dexter Loomis is shown creeping in the background. We get back to that. Candice Lerae versus Dakota Kai. Candice, just dude. Candice has not missed a step with her absence. This was a good match that almost made me feel like I was watching NXT in its heyday rather than RAW. Which I, I don't mean that in like a uh, to to denigrate either, but I really did enjoy NXT in its heyday, and I think that Candice Lerae. And Dakota Kai are two performers that should have been on Raw or SmackDown years ago. Years ago. They had been in NXT for far too long. And this match was an example of why. I mean, they didn't even get out of, I don't know, second gear? They barely got to have a match. And it was still fun to watch. It was still entertaining. Imagine there was a title on the line. Imagine there was a whole program going on between them as opposed to just a small part of it. Think it'd be pretty good. I think it would be awesome. These two are great. So I really liked seeing the, getting a taste of these two in WWE against each other. Dakota Kai wins after EO distracts the ref while Bailey hits Candice, which allows Dakota to get the roll-up victory. After that, we go from we go from uh Candace Lorray to Johnny Gargano, who's walking backstage. But he passes by Dexter Loomis, who is stroking a passed out. Miz, Gargano does a double take and then walks back to check on him. But Loomis is gone. So we went from uh, th- three members of the Gargano family in a row from NXT. We had Candice LeRae, then Johnny Gargano, and Dexter Loomis. Um, I, d- I, I think I'm, I've am i talked to other people as well about this Dexter Loomis thing. And I, I am enjoying it. But I do, and I, I think I said this last week on the show, I do wonder how it, how it progresses. It has been a lot of the same thing. I'm wondering how it progresses. That's where I'm at with this with this texture loomis stuff. It's tough when your character doesn't talk. So I really want to see how they can progress this. And and especially when you're against a guy who talks so much. How does how do you get this to the level it needs to be? It's a good question. I don't have the answer. <laughs> Otis versus Johnny Gargano. We got a fairly competitive match here. That Sar Gargano eventually pounds on top of Theory, who was doing guest commentary. Gargano then hits a spinning DDT on Otis outside of the ring. But as Otis is getting back in, Theory hits Johnny with the money in the bank briefcase from behind. This allows Otis to hit his finisher and get the win. I was surprised. I shouldn't be, but I was. I was kind of surprised to see Gargano taking a loss already. And I think that it goes back to kind of what I've been saying since he returned. And that's that it doesn't appear to just be some alpha Academy do not appear to be the typical enhancement talent that we've seen in WWE who are helping other people get over by taking definitive law, taking just easy losses. They've been fighting back. I think that, you know, in the past few weeks, Alpha Academy have really been shining as a team that should have been taken seriously all along. I think that they've done a great job of, of taking the opportunities being given to them. And since none of these matches have been squash matches, they're getting good ring time. Like they're getting time to establish themselves as serious competitors. And initially I said, well, is it to the detriment of Johnny Gargano or Braun Strowman or, you know, whoever? But I think, honestly, at the end of the day, it's, it's helping everybody. I think that I have to kind of uh, almost check myself at the door a little bit here and realize that we're in a new age where, you know, a, a loss like that I think, in the previous era would have signified that the people on top don't have faith in a, a Johnny Gargano. But I don't see that. and I see it the opposite. I see it as they have ultimate faith in Johnny Gargano and also faith in Otis and they want to bring both up and that's not a problem at all. Same with wanting to bring Chad Gable up. Not bad at all. Alpha Academy attack afterwards but braun Strowman rushes out to even the sides he runs through otis then tosses gable into their ring into the ring for their match we get braun Strowman versus chad gable the bell rings and braun then launches chad over the top rope again this time into otis who is ringside after the break surprisingly gable is standing tall in the ring with braun trying to recover from something ringside we then see it was because of otis Chucking him over the announce table at one point in the match. Gable also hits a monster German suplex on Braun. No pun intended, but it does fit well there. But that that German suplex does kind of just does, does kind of is kind of proof of what I was talking about earlier of like, I don't think we would have seen in the previous regime Chad Gable hitting a German suplex on Braun when Braun's getting a big push after coming back. I don't think we would have seen that. I think we would have seen just Braun destroying Chad Gable, and Gable would have had no offense in the match. But he got some offense here in his hometown, and I think that that was cool. I was I was happy with that. thought it worked out well. Um, and I felt like, kind of like I was saying before, I think Chad Gable gained a little bit out of this by looking like someone who could at least... You know, stand toe-to-toe with Braun for a brief period of time, even hitting a suple- German suplex on him. Um, the finish does come, though, when Gable attempts a moonsault that, that Braun avoids Then Strowman hits a powerbomb on Gable to get that W. To me, one of the most interesting things that was shown as well in this match was the fact that Omos and MVP were watching the match backstage, and that is what I expected for a future program. Amos versus Braun. That one is going to be a battle of the Giants, and I'm looking forward to it. Amos has kind of been on the back burner since Triple H took over as head of creative, and I think that it was really because they needed to find the proper opponent to go against him. Braun's perfect for that. Braun really is perfect for that. I'm interested to see what a match between those two guys looks like. They're both so big that uh, it's hard to even picture one of the one of them doing moves on the other, but that's definitely going to happen if we see them in the ring together. Lastly, in the trainer's room, approached by Kevin, and like I said, he promises to get revenge on Seth Rollins next week for attacking him. Uh, He's going to give him a U.S. title match on the Raw season premiere. Bailey and Bianca have a contract signing after that, and I thought this was fantastic. This was fantastic. This was probably the best promo work that Bailey's done since coming back she just really did a great job of like explaining w- her character's entire motivation. And I think that Bianca at the same time did a great job of explaining why people would still boo her <laughs> with that motivation. So smart all around. We had Bailey saying that her reasoning for wanting the ladder match against Bianca is bigger than just making history or revenge for for Bianca hitting a KOD on her on a ladder. No, instead, the ladder is symbolic for her entire WWE run. Bailey says that she's had to literally climb to try and get to the top. And in that process, she was previously Bianca, ponytail and all, colorful sequins. We all remember it, the Hugger. I said the little girls used to hold up signs saying Bailey and do their ponytails like her, but you know what happened? Those signs changed the cheers started to fade and they gave up on her when they stopped caring her career started to spiral and she had to do something to climb her way back to the top money money that's money right there all the way it explains the entire reasoning for bringing damage control back with her explains the heel turn explains a lot i thought it was really good how she did that bianca tells her to shut up though and sign the contract Bianca also says that comparison, comparison is a thief of joy, but Bailey should never compare the two of them because she could never be her. I'm I'm starting to wonder if some of these words of wisdom are are things that writers are giving Bianca or if she is just popping these out, dude, cuz she is busting out some gems. Comparison is a thief of joy. What a good quote. Love that. Bailey then uh you know, doesn't like this, and Bianca says that she was just pretending to be someone she's not, and that's why she failed as her former self, because Bailey didn't evolve, she just became the real her. As the segment comes to a close, we see the damage controller beating down Alexa and Asuka, Bailey then pulls Bianca over the table, Belair just goes flying over it, looks great the way she sold that, the two brawl, and then Bianca gets the upper hand, so Bianca rushes to the back to help her friends. But damage control are gone when she gets there. Instead, we've got Asuka clutching her knee and Alexa, who is angry as hell, challenging Io to a match later tonight. Like I said, this was a really effective segment. Really effective segment. Made you want to cheer for Bianca Belair. It it was logical in the way that Bailey explained herself um, using history of WWE, what you know as a viewer. Um history in terms of this being the first women's ladder match in WWE just really did a great job of encapsulating it all together and, and, and and serving it to you on a logical plate that, that you can then easily digest this and be hyped for their ladder match. Solo Zakoa versus Angela Dawkins took place after this and the finish saw Dawkins hit a dive over the ropes to the outside But when he comes back in, Angelo gets hit with the spinning Solo, a.k.a. the spinning urinagi, and he gets the win. The fact that Solo Sokoa is this competitive with with an established performer like Dawkins is proof of how much potential they see in him. Like, you don't really see someone who's just recently brought up from NXT holding their own with established talent like this. Maybe get... An introductory program where you know they we see what they got. We don't really see them just holding their own with with talent of that caliber and and then beating them. I know it's tag team wrestler and his his partner is injured, but Dawkins can go. We all know that. Everyone on social media has been pointing out that he has just been excelling in every way over the past year, more so than he has ever before. And just that, I think that. He's killing it. He's killing it. So the fact that they put Solo Sokoa over him, I don't think that it's sh- it, it's an ex- it's a indicative of, of something negative towards Dawkins that they would have that happen. I think instead it's indicative of what they see in Solo Sokoa as a performer. Plus, it's in the bloodline. Got to keep the bloodline strong. Got to keep everyone in the bloodline strong. Even the honorary... Oops, got to keep them all strong. And that's what this match did. You know, I think that Solo Sokoa is week-to-week growing as a performer and showing that he has what it takes to be in the bloodline. So I liked it. I I was into this match, felt like it was a competitive one, had lots of uh, good moments within. Both performers came out looking good. Theory is then backstage with Alpha Academy after that. And he says, next week... It'll be him against Johnny Gargano during the season premiere of Raw. We also got Edge in a pre-taped promo video. He's sitting in a ring and says that ever since he... Came, well, he says that the veil of his character has been dropped since he came back and that we've been seeing Adam the last few years. He also says that it's becoming increasingly obvious of the toll his return has taken on him as well as his family and that Judgment Day has only made things More difficult because no matter how much he fights back, they still keep hitting him. At Extreme Rules, though, there's nothing Balor can do to make him quit. You know, when Edge came back, I I saw one of the you know one of the let's say the first year of Edge back. One of the criticisms I always saw was the kind of slow dramatic promos he was doing that felt like monologues. People were, people didn't seem to like them as much. I did. I like the monologues. But this felt like the most natural version of those. Some of those felt too melodramatic in a way. Lights off, spotlight on him. This wasn't like that. This was like a guy talking to the camera about his career and being honest with his fan base. It felt like to a degree... And it felt like something where you could, it felt real. I think that's really what it is. I think it felt like a thing that you would actually see. You'd see this online. You'd see someone saying this kind of thing. You'd have this kind of conversation with someone who, you know, is getting older and they're talking about being physical still. Like these are all things that are believable to me. Um, rather than an older dude kind of like sitting in the dark with a spotlight on him like he's emo or something i i think this fits better and you could feel the emotion in him in a way that resonated with me more i think that the dramatics as like i said i'd had a problem with him before but this felt like it was taking those same dramatic elements and and grounding them in in reality and and i think that that made sense for you know not not having it as grounded in reality before um, fit the tone of the show. But ever since Triple H took over, it does feel like the reality era more. So there was a a, a bit of reality to this, and I and I really did like it. I think that Edge and Finn Balor are going to have an awesome match. They're going to kill it at Extreme Rules in an I Quit match. So I'm pumped for that, and I felt like. The stuff with Balor at the top and and this video promo, both definitely were solid final build for their I Quit match. Last main event, wow, 45-minute roundup. That's how much I was uh, invested in all the stuff that's happening. Also, like I I mentioned this before, but my sister's wedding is on Saturday, so there won't be a SmackDown roundup. I apologize. I'm going to try to get predictions out and maybe... Um yeah, I'm gonna get predictions out uh sometime this week. We'll see. Don't don't hold me to it, but I'm gonna do my best. <laughs> Lastly, the main event, Alexa Bliss versus EO Sky. Alexa Bliss unleashes a new side of herself by going ham on EO at the start of this. And this was a really fun match. It's just cool to see Alexa getting to pull out all the stops against someone like EO in the main event of Raw after some distraction from damage control. EO is able to hit the moonsault to get the win over Alexa Bliss, but I would love to see more from these two. They had a good compatibility in the ring with each other. I felt like um, I felt like their size is compar- you know, comparable and they they used a, they have they had this similar, I don't know, they just they just gelled well together in the few you know in the, in the bit of time that they had. And I I I would as, I would think that that a singles match between them for like a title down the line one day would be just as good. One where it's like on pay-per-view and they could really get to tell a story. I would like to see that. When the match is over, damage control continue the attack on Alexa. Bianca then fires back, but Dakota and Io hit her with a ladder. Asuka comes stumbling out with a kendo stick trying to equal things up, but Dakota and Io use the ladder to take her out. They then place Alexa Bliss between the ladder and slam it on her. Dakota also hits the running boot on Bianca, and Bailey hits the rose plant. The show ends with damage control standing tall atop the ladder, holding all the women's title belts. And I think this is how, I think this is where things are going. I think that, I think that at Extreme Rules, Bailey becomes the new women's champion, and this is where the direction of the show goes, and rightfully so. Bianca has done such a good job holding up the division in the time that she has been champion. But I do think that this is Bailey's moment. People have been waiting for Bailey to come back. Damage control are the focal point of the show. They're starting off. You know, they're, they're early, they're they get multiple segments, the main events. They're getting a huge push. I'm loving it. But I think that you need to follow it up with putting the belt on Bailey. Just like you had to follow it up with putting the tag titles on Dakota and EO. They are the top of the mountain at least that's how it feels <laughs> in the in the Raw women's division so i think that the time has come to put the raw women's title back on Bailey. all right i'm done here i'm finished 45 minute roundup jeez these things used to be like 15 20 minutes i've gone 45 minutes now that's what happens when i'm going down the rabbit hole i'm dissecting small little clues i'm i'm Talking about character development. I love it. This is the Monday Night Raw. I enjoy watching. All right, I'll be back on Wednesday. Got a brand new added character on Wednesday. The video version of the show can be found Wednesday morning on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. We got SmackDown Women's Champion Liv Morgan back on the show. Round two with Liv Morgan. We're talking to her about... Smackdown women's title reign. We're talking about when she cashed in money in the bank. We're talking about we're talking about a lot, guys. We're talking about Game of Thrones or House of the Dragons, whatever you want to call it. We're talking about the MCU. We're talking about a lot, all right? So make sure that you check out this week's interview on Wednesday with Liv Morgan on Out of Character and then Friday I'll be back for another Smackdown. Roundup. Also, make sure you subscribe to this channel. If you're listening to this podcast, if you've gotten this deep, appreciate it. But if you're not subscribed, what are you doing, man? You enjoyed the show this much and you didn't push the button. Push the button. Subscribe to the show. If you're already subscribed, feel free to rate and review the show. Like I said at the top, I read the reviews. So please, 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 please leave a review so I have something to read at the top of the show. I'll name drop you. Just put your name there. I'll name drop you. No harm, only good, and I appreciate it very much. Also, make sure that you follow WWE on Fox on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok, so make sure you're following us across the board. All right, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been the Raw Roundup.
1: Download the all-new Fox Sports app now.